The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, Matt Straub here welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Before we get started, a quick reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Now, this time of year, we are simultaneously trying to win fantasy championships, but we're also starting to look ahead to next year. And today on the show, we are doing the latter. We're looking at some maddening players, some fantasy headaches, some polarizing players, all of the above, and considering whether we would draft these guys next year. Ryan Knauss is with me. Ryan, we're going to start with, I think, the the poster, the guy on the poster for this conversation, Andrew Wiggins. Mm. Uh He's had his moments this year. To me, one shining example, he had a 40-point, 10-rebound, 4-assist game where he hit 16 out of 18 free throws back in January. Overall, though, in nine category leagues, he has 180th overall, shooting less than 40% from the field, less than 70% from the line. Now, he's 24 years old. The light could, in theory, go on at any point. Uh, Would you dare gamble on him in fantasy drafts next year? I won't, Matt, and I'll tell you why. Because I I thought this year with the Jimmy Butler you know, strange holdout thing that started in preseason. I thought for sure Jimmy's out the door. We don't know who the Wolves would bring back, but Wiggins would have a huge role, which he does. He's got around 25% usage these days, and he's just not making the most of it. We saw his, he had a terrible free throw shooting uh, year last season, started to get better early in the year, which is, it's interesting you pointed out that 16 of 18 game, but overall he just can't sustain it. And his age, usually I'd be willing to gamble on a guy like that, but he's too inconsistent. I've I've tried for a couple of years, and it just looks like, I mean, the, the effort vanishes. We, we've talked about this, and it's, so I'm not willing to bet on someone who's not being held back by a situational thing. It's not like he just needs a teammate to leave or a different coach. It's, it's coming from within, so I'm going to take a pass. I believe it was on Deadspin. I recently saw something uh, showing some of his shot charts, and it's just alarming. Uh, from this season <laughs> like and to me it's not just a combo of him shooting badly this year mm. it's also that whole you know the light is not always on thing you know and yeah because obviously when you watch Wiggins play sometimes it's like wow this dude could just dominate if he had you know the right mindset but yeah it's just I don't know is it ever going to happen I don't know yeah. I'm, I'm not going to risk it because to me the problem is he's a guy who if you draft him you're going to feel obligated to start him right because he averages you know, 18 plus points per game. You're not just going to bench him. Right. And because, and you don't know when to put him in your lineup. And when you do put him in your lineup in roto style uh, formats, he's actually hurting you. Yeah. And he's not giving you many assists, steals, or blocks. So there's too many caveats there. I'm trying to think, Ryan, of what we can call, you know, the trio of categories field goal percentage, free throw percentage, and turnovers. Those being the categories where players can actually put you in a hole. Do we call them? Sub-zero categories, less than zero categories. Oh, the, the potential negative categories. Right, right. I'll have to give that some thought. Maybe okay. that could be a column topic. Yeah, well, that's going to come up again today in this conversation because <laughs> many of the guys we're talking about do damage in those areas. Uh, not really the case for Jeff Teague. Averaging a career-high 8.2 assists a game this year, so he can still play when he's on the court. The problem is he has missed 28 games 
and counting this year. He set, uh, was set to miss number 29 on Tuesday night. Do you look at this, you know, Teague has been relatively durable. Do you look at this as kind of an outlier or possibly the start of, uh, you know, a decline in durability? Yeah, you said it. He was top 75 for seven straight seasons coming into this year. So I thought he was pretty safe in the, you know, 50 to 75 range. I was happy to get him. Uh, But injuries have taken a toll. He's only played 42 games. It looks like he's probably going to get shut down at this point. His steals have fallen off. His efficiency has declined. So I'm willing to pin it on just a couple unfortunate injuries. He's not too old, so I'd be fine drafting him. Obviously, his his stock will fall because of this, so I'm expecting to see him in the 75, 80, 90 range, somewhere in there. So I, I would take Jeff Teague next year. All right, so we're staying away from Wiggins. We're potentially still in on Teague. We're going to stay in Minnesota for one more minute here and talk about Derek Rose, who had a bit of a renaissance this year, but again, just hasn't been able to stay on the court consistently. So is he a guy you're going to let someone else draft next year, all things considered? Yeah, as I have for the past decade, I'll just let <laughs> let, let someone else worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that a lot more needs to be said. Like, it's been awesome to see Rose, yeah, you know, great story. Put, put it back together in real life, but in fantasy, uh, yeah, probably a headache that you're better off avoiding. Another point guard, Colin Sexton. He is hot right now, which is why I think this could be maybe an interesting part of the conversation. His last six games, averaging 26.5 points, 3.73 pointers. However, only 3.3 assists and 0.3 steals during that same uh, short-term hot streak. Now, in nine category leagues, he's around 250th on the season. The last month, though, 120th. He's 20 years old. Could Sexton break into, let's say, the top 100 next year, Ryan? I think for sure, yeah. You love to see a young guy like this progress throughout the year, and actually the Cavs coach just talked about this, how from day one to March, he's not the same player. His game has evolved. He's You mentioned his post-break averages, 20 points a game, 47% shooting, almost 46% from deep over the past month. So I love that. Uh, I think, you know, more steals would obviously be nice. More assists would be critical. But he's averaging almost 34 minutes. I don't see why he can't build on the, on his current numbers. So I'm willing to go top 100 for him, yeah. Yeah, I think I would I would draft him next year. But again, I don't think I'm going to reach for him and project a huge breakout or anything like that. I'm not going to take him, you know, in top 60, 70 range. I, yeah, I can't same. imagine doing that. But if he falls, you know, around 100, I would probably draft him. All right. Here's an interesting name to throw into this conversation as far as I'm concerned, Luka Doncic. Um, Mm. Now, he's not been anyone's idea of a headache in the traditional sense, in the Andrew Wiggins uh, sense of the word when it comes to fantasy. He's 97th overall in the season, so he has some clear value. However, 43% from the field, 70% from the line with nearly three and a half turnovers this season. And we're not far removed from a game that I just can't stop thinking about where he went five for 18 from the field, one for nine from the line with nine turnovers. So... It can't get worse than that. Um, Now, look, he's had a great season. He might win Rookie of the Year. People love him as a player. I'm fine with all that. But I'm talking about fantasy here. He's also shot 67% from the free throw line on eight attempts over his last 40 games. So, I don't know, Ryan. I'm not paying the price next year. I think I would just say that point blank. I think I'm with you. Um, What what did we land on? Sub-zero contributors in in, in some categories? Sub-zero categories, yeah. So he's he's been a big one of those. The percentages are terrible, and you can't get over that, especially when you're such a high-volume offensive player. So to be a little more optimistic, I will say this is his first time 
so to speak, going through the NBA's batting order. So I think in, in year two, he'll have a better idea of where to be efficient, uh, you know, how to attack certain matchups, what happens if he's getting blitzed in, in screens and so forth. So I think he's he's going to improve, but I don't know that he can make the leap to go where he needs to go, because as you said, his reputation precedes him. He's a nightly triple-double threat. People love him. And he's going to go top 20. I could see him going in the first round. So I'm not going near him there in 8-cat or 9-cat. Yeah, you know what? And and you just led me to a guy we were going to talk about later. But I'll I'll mention him right now because I think it matches. We saw Ben Simmons going top 20 in a lot of leagues this year. He's been 79th overall in 9-category leagues because of bad free throws and turnovers. And obviously no sign of a 3-point shot emerging. So... It might be a similar story with Doncic where people are going to, you know, reach for him and then it's not going to pay off. So let's talk about Simmons, though. I mean, I've heard the argument, you know, you can draft him and then punt, but I would push back and maybe say just get those categories somewhere else. It's not like Simmons is so incredible across the board mm. that you, you have to punt free throws to get him. Where do you land on Simmons as you look, project ahead to next year? I'm thinking you mentioned punting, and that's really the only way I'd go near him in 8-cat, 9-cat. But again, he's going to go too high for my tastes. So there is a situational aspect to this of what's your league format. If it's just a points league, then it doesn't matter where his stats are coming from. It doesn't matter that he's shooting brutal percentages. So you could easily make a case for him there. But in terms of punting, too, it's such an awkward punt, because why do you want a point guard who kills your free throw percentage? And as you said, has yet to make an NBA three-pointer. He's attempted four all season. So (laughs) just, I'm not drafting an early round point guard who kills me in those two categories, which you need from your guards. And then it just sets you up for just a strange draft the rest of the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I don't, I don't love it. Plus a lot of it does depend on what, what does Philly do with Jimmy Butler, JJ Redick, even Tobias Harris, they're all going to be unrestricted free agents. So maybe if Tobias and Butler somehow leave, you know, Ben Simmons' role is even bigger, and you can make a better case for him. But for now, I'm sticking with you, I think, similar to Doncic, as you said. And also, just to clarify, I mean, you mentioned points leagues for Doncic, Simmons, and even Wiggins. Those sure. are all very viable points leagues, guys. We're talking, you know, Roto-style eight, nine-category leagues here yeah. um, for the most part. Gary Harris, Ryan, I was kind of expecting him to flip it on down the stretch. It never happened. I was super high on him coming into the season. However, he's missed 25 games with you know a variety of soft tissue injuries, which you do not like to see. Do you trust him to bounce back? I believe still only 24 years old, but personally, I am terrified. Yeah, this was a disaster for Harris, and I had a lot of him, so, but you just had to cut him at some point. He had, the, I think, the hip injury it started with, and the adductor-slash-groin injury took him down for quite a while, and he hasn't been good since he came back. Nuggets have too many options, so it's not like he's getting huge minutes or huge usage. So he can't really sustain even occasional poor games. He's kind of trading off double-digit scoring with single-digit, and yeah, it's been a it's been a nightmare. Um, and it's not the first year he's been banged up consistently, so that also concerns me. As you said, he's a 24-year-old, but he's already got a very lengthy injury history. So this is one that depends for me. I, I love Gary Harris. It'll be fun to watch him play. He was coming off top 40 value last year, so if he falls to 80 to 100, mm-hmm. I'll t- uh, then I'll take the plunge. <laughs> but earlier than that, I I think I have to stay away. Yeah, I buy that. I, I think I'm in the same range with him. I'm not going to pay a top 50, top 60 price or anything. But yeah, if he starts to fall later than that, I would give it a chance. 
Ricky Rubio has been around 130th in nine category value this year. You know, he's been a perennial second half guy, someone who seems to be able to flip the switch as soon as, you know, January, February hits and and catch fire. It hasn't really happened this year, shooting below 40% from the field for the whole season. To me, I'm almost at a point where I'm done waiting for a consistently good Rubio to emerge. I wasn't really in on him in any of my leagues this year, but I don't see that changing going into next year. Are you in the same place with Rubio? Yeah, I'd second that. He's a guy who we know what he can and can't do. He's not going to shoot better than 40% from the field. He'll hit the occasional three-pointer, but he's never going to be you know, an assassin from deep. Great free-throw shooter, but rarely gets to the line. And he's even fallen off. He's His bread and butter was assists and steals. Mm-hmm. He's, fall, he's fallen off there as a defender. The guys that he's defending are shooting 4.9% better than they do otherwise. So he's not been effective on ball. You know, Utah's got a sort of modest pace. They're using Joe Ingles as a ball handler, Donovan Mitchell as a ball handler, all of which is dug into Rubio's assists. So maybe if he signs with a more favorable team next year, I'd give him a look. But otherwise, I'm probably staying away. Yeah, he's had a, a career-high 1.3 triples this year, but... His assists and steals, as you mentioned, way down. I mean, mm. a few, just a few years ago, uh, let's see. Yeah, 2015-16, he was 2.1 steals, 8.6 assists. This year, 1.4 steals, 6.1 assists. So he's 28 years old. It just feels like the upside is gradually fading away with Rubio. Yep. Victor Oladipo, this is, I think, a simple question. It's would you draft him with a relatively early round pick coming off you know, a season loss to injury when he also wasn't as good even when he was healthy? No, <laughs> would be the the short answer. It was kind of like like with Hayward this year, just so much unknown. You don't know if there's going to be medical limits in place. There probably will be. We don't have a firm return date. He's coming off a ruptured quad tendon, which is a major injury, obviously. Tony Parker had it and said recently that it's worse than an Achilles or ACL tear. Yikes. So take that for what it's worth. And Oladipo is, is just a guy who relied so much on his quickness and explosion that coming off a major injury like this, you know, I, yeah, I don't want any part of his quote-unquote comeback next year. All right, well, you you mentioned Hayward, so he was, he was another guy we're going to hit. You know, we saw certainly has some minute restrictions, et cetera, this season, only playing 25 minutes a game. Also, getting 8.6 field goal attempts per game, almost half of what he got during his final season in Utah. So Boston is crowded. Do you have any reason to be optimistic that Hayward, you know, can have a, a bounce back season next year? Uh, not really. Only, I mean, of course, year two of his return, I think the health will be there. He won't go through some of those extended lulls that we saw, especially early in this season. But as long as Boston's wing rotation is still as robust as it is, which it should be, because the only real wing player who might leave is Marcus Morris as a free agent. And then there's the unknown of what happens with Kyrie Irving and so forth. But yeah, the, I, I don't like his, his role in Boston. It would be the long and short of it. Just showing this, is, as I said, this is a wide range of, of polarizing players, headache, fantasy players, because Chris Paul's in this conversation, and he, on a per-game basis, has been the best player we're going to talk about today, 20th mm-hmm. overall in nine category leagues on the season. So when he's been on the court, he has not been a headache for the most part. He's been very good. However, you know, missed a bunch of time with more hamstring trouble and a career-low shooting percentage this year as he gets very close to his 34th birthday. Paul has been kind of a, a legendary fantasy performer over the years. I mean, just so many top 10 finishes. However, it seems like we're starting to see the beginning of a decline. 
do you count all of this against him next year? And is there any way you would draft him in the top 25? Ooh, that's a tough one. Cause I'm with you. I've revered him for so long and he's been so good for so many of my fantasy teams. It's hard to hate on him at all, but yeah, no hate, no hate here. Yeah. Not hating on him at all, but career low 42%. <laughs> no, I percent. I, yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he's missed 21 games, 24 games in the past two seasons. This season, he's already at 24 DMPs. So he's going above that number. So you almost have to give him like a 30% haircut on what you think <laughs> his long-term value will be. So, man, I was going to say late second round, you put it at 25 as the, as the over-under threshold. Uh, I'll say I will not go inside top 25 for him next year. Yeah, well, I'll put, you know, one, one way to think about this is I took him in the 30 deep league, the 30 team expert league that we play in. I took him, I think, 23rd overall, and he's on the court right now when it matters most. I, I'm in the semifinals, and he is playing in nba games right now so that's in a true. weird yeah. in a weird way you know uh you can't count on that necessarily next year but it might fool me into taking him again uh around the same time <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I took kemba walker one pick after that and he's you know he's been fine as a number 24 pick he's actually number 24 overall in nine cats so right on the nose but obviously you'd rather have chris paul right now Oh, I, but by the way, I, I remember that moment that you took Kemba Walker and I immediately kicked myself like, why didn't I take Kemba Walker? That was <laughs> stupid. <laughs> uh, Draymond Green uh, has gone from 21st overall in nine category leagues. Again, all of this is from basketballmonster.com if you want to follow along with, with these rankings. Um, 21 overall a couple of years ago, 32nd overall last year, now outside the top 50 this year and averaging just seven points per game. It feels like he's declining too. I mean, I don't know. He's again not old per se, but feels like he's on the decline. Are you going anywhere near Draymond at what's likely a high draft day price next year? Yeah, that's the thing. He's always gone a round or two before I'm interested, just because of his limitations. But he'll give you the defensive stats. He'll hit some three pointers just because teams beg him to shoot three pointers when he's on the court. A lot depends on what Kevin Durant does. If he leaves. And the Warriors, I mean, the Warriors wouldn't be able to replace that level of production financially or otherwise. So that would obviously shift more to Draymond in terms of playmaking, touches, and so forth. So I think that would be the only reason I'd go top 50 even for him. Yeah, I mean, you can maybe even pinpoint his offensive decline to just looking at his three-point shooting percentage. Because three years ago, 2015-16, he shot 38.8% and mm. averaged a career-high 14 points per game. And it's gone down from 38.8% to 30.8% to 30.1% to this year at 26.9% and seven points per game. Um, not good. Yeah, and his <laughs> his form bears that out. If you watch, sometimes you watch him shoot three pointers. It's cringeworthy. He just yeah. he's kind of launching them. Yeah, yeah, busted jumper, and he turns 30 this time next year. So yeah. I am I'm. You can count me out on that one. Um, unless, what did you say? I was saying if, if Kevin Durant leaves, then I'll maybe sneak inside top 50 for him. Yeah, yeah. But if, if he falls outside the top 50, sure, I would probably do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, same. All right, uh, just a few more names we want to hit here. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, everyone's idea of just a, a bad idea on draft day, has actually been a beacon <laughs> of durability this year. I uh, only had that one stretch where he missed some games. Playing right now, playing really well, providing early round value. Are you willing to double down next year on Gallinari? That's t it's a difficult question because I I actually landed him in multiple leagues this year because yeah. he fell to a hundred plus. I mean he was going late, so if he was there in the ninth round, sure take right. take Gallo and just hope he stays healthy. 
also much easier in leagues with IR spots. So I think both leagues I got him and I had an IR spot, so limited the risk. Next year, what, what's your range for him? I mean, would, would you take him if he's there at pick 65? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. I think I think okay. I would. So you're I think sold I on this on this healthy version of the no, rooster. I, it, I'm I'm <laughs> speaking with my heart right now. I'm speaking with my heart. Fair. I real I really like him, and uh, yeah, I think 65. You're starting to get into. He's been 29th overall in nine category leagues. So I think you're starting to get when you do the cost benefit analysis of taking him 65th. I think you get into an area where it's yeah. worth the worth the gamble for you know a top top 25 ish player. Yeah, who should have a hu- a huge role next year? So. And by the way, we talk about the sub-zero guys. Um, he is sort of the exact opposite of that. His value is a lot based on good percentages, low turnovers, um, and helping you out in a couple other areas. So he's so. the scorpion to, to do a <laughs> Mortal Kombat sort of... Uh... There you go. <laughs> okay. well, we're on to, I think we might be onto something here. Yeah, we gotta uh, wor- we'll, we'll workshop this later. Yeah. All right. Two other names we are going to talk about here before we get out of here. Hassan Whiteside. As you may have heard, already on shaky footing in terms of fantasy value because... Uh, if you want to talk about a busted shooting stroke, his his free throw stroke is is a work of art. Also, now coming off the bench for the Heat, I forget Ryan. I forgot to look up his contract status. Is he is he a free agent? He is. He has a twenty seven million dollar player option. Okay, so, so he'll probably opt in. For, I would assume, but um, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Typically, those those get picked up. Uh, right. So, assuming he's back in Miami next year with that astronomical player option. Of twenty-seven million, uh, what do you do? Are you, is this is this as simple as just stay away? I mean, he's twenty-nine as well. Interesting that a bunch of the guys we're talking about here are, are getting into their late twenties, early thirties. Are you just point blank staying away? For the most part, yes, because as you said, the massive hit to your categories and free throw shooting is just too much. I don't want it. And he's playing twenty-four minutes a game, so it limits his upside. He hasn't had many of those monster difference making games where he triple doubles with 10 blocks you know those are the games you you wait for and we just haven't seen many of them kelly olenek's playing really well he's under contract next year bam Adebayo, obviously his role just keeps growing he's under contract next year and the heat are not afraid to go small so yeah i just can't really do it with hassan whiteside especially like i'd much rather gamble on around the same range you could probably get a guy like mitchell robinson so yeah I'd, i'd take him and I mean, maybe the murky role is is an even better argument against him than the free throw shooting because he's only gotten around three and a half free throw attempts per game this year. So his his free throw percentage is awful, but he's not getting a ton of volume there. So you can almost skate around it, maybe some weeks, especially in like a head to head league. But yeah, I will stay away. Ninety second overall in the season, and I think you can you can get yeah. rebounds and blocks uh, with less headaches associated with them these days. Agreed. Uh, all right, just a couple minutes before we got to get out of here, Ryan. Uh, Kevin Love has. Uh, I mean, I'd say he's pretty polarizing, wouldn't you? I think there are people who are going to go going to go nowhere near him in fantasy drafts, and I think there are some of us, myself included, who think he has, uh, you know, top ten, top fifteen upside if he's healthy. Again, I said upside, not he will stay on the court and do that. Where do you land? Yeah, I mean, you can't have seen him put up first round value as he did three times earlier this decade (laughs) Um, but he was top 40 for seven of the past eight years something like that so obviously that's burned into owner's memory we know how good he is we know that he's got this central role on the calves the problem is they're just so bad they're gonna shut him down at any risk of injury they can't trade his contract so there's no real hope of him going to a better 
place. I mean, he's owned, he's owed an average of $30 million over the next four years. By the end of which, I hate to say, he's probably going to be like Ryan Anderson on steroids. Like, no one's <laughs> going to want to play him because he can't play defense. He's a declined as a rebounder, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, <laughs> as for next year, yeah, I just, I think the Cavs are going to be a, a broken, terrible team and love. Obviously, he can't stay healthy anyway, so there's too much working against him. This is a reminder to myself, after hearing you say that, don't draft Kevin Love next year. Note to self. <laughs> Please don't draft Kevin Love next year. Scared of shutdown. Yeah. Scared of shutdown. We'll play well early. We'll be a headache late. That's probably my outlook. Uh, Ryan, you have a column coming out on Wednesday. We have no idea what's in it, I assume. I think, actually, that I, I have the seed of an idea based sort of on on our discussion. I think I'm going to go with winners and losers from this season. Guys, oh, nice. who, guys who really benefited and guys who, who backslid, many of whom we just talked about. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Round Ball Stew is also going to begin uh, some sort of season in review uh, yeah. type of discussion this week. So look out for that on Friday. All right, that's it for us. Everyone, thanks for listening. Good luck if you are still in there in the fantasy playoffs. Ryan, thanks for taking the time. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, Matt. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.